everybody. Welcome to Soldiers of Cinema, the podcast. I'm Clark Coffey, and with me today, as always, Cullen McFader. What's up? What's up, Cullen? Hello. How you doing? I'm <laughs> doing all right. Uh, on today's episode, we are going to be discussing Herzog's Masterclass Lesson 9, which is all about set rules. Ooh, exciting stuff. Set mm-hmm. rules. You love rules, right, Colin? You're like a big I'm a guy. rules guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there is some there is some really good, really good uh some some great content in here. You know, especially I mean, we kind of imagine that most of the listeners here, you're either obviously interested in Herzog or you are an aspiring or uh, you know, uh, filmmaker, maybe in the beginning of your career. And uh, he covers some really important stuff in this lesson. So we'll kind of dive in. But basically, you know, he talks about how to organize a set. Mm-hmm. And uh, Herzog talks about himself personally, uh, being a one camera guy. He actually uh, specifically calls out Mr. Christopher Nolan by name. And uh, clearly he is fond of Mr. Nolan, I think, uh, because now it's funny, though, of course, because I think Nolan in a lot of his action scenes in his films uses like 20 cameras. Yeah, just <laughs> rigs them up, yeah. <laughs> which is, but, but you know, hey, there's always exceptions to the rule. But I think, of, you know, unless he's shooting an FX, uh, a special effects shot or a, a big action scene, I think he, he, you know, I'm actually not sure. Do you know, does he stick to one camera? Does Nolan? I, I mean, think, for sure. I, I mean, as far as I know, yeah. for his, his like dialogue and his, his is moment to moment stuff that's not you know a huge yeah. effect shot where you're you're spending right. two million for a single shot i i do believe that it's it's one camera so, um, so we'll go with that we'll say okay well, herzog okay what um, i do think is interesting though about what even just the name of this this lesson being set rules is yeah. that it's not really traditional set rules even in the like it's almost like Anti-rules. herzog says like break certain certain kind of trends to uh-huh. make your set work better which i think is interesting it's not That's like a, you know absolutely you know the pa's got the coffee the guy not over there that. sits in the chair yeah. Yeah. yeah yep 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 and we'll definitely get into that but right i think it's about you know i i mean you could almost say it this is you know herzog's take on how to create a conducive environment for great filmmaking. Yeah. Which, you know, with that being the focus, as opposed to, you know, sometimes rules can on a set can actually lead away from that. So definitely. we can definitely yeah. discuss that. But I think, you know, it's about creating an attitude of focus as well. And I think that's, you know, uh, he also mentions Nolan shoots film, celluloid. And of course, he def- I know he definitely does that. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, Herzog has shot all kinds of different medium. Uh, and Nolan shoots in- film for interesting reasons, too. It's it's right? it's not they, exactly the... Yeah. Yeah, well, it's art. not normally, I mean, a lot of people that shoot film shoot film because they like the look of it, right? That right. they like, they like the grain, they like the texture, whereas it's Nolan has focus. several times on record, both the focus, but he also, it's almost just like a traditional thing for him, like that he, yeah. he, he doesn't like grain in his images. So he, he likes the newest, newest Kodak stocks that right. have very little grain. And he also, but I think it's just his kind of way of going like, this is how movies were made and should be made. And it's well, sort of like a traditional and yeah. I think, you know, Herzog talks about an attitude of focus. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know explicitly if, her, if um, sorry, if Nolan has come out and said this, but I know other filmmakers have. Now, I myself have not shot on film. Uh, I've been a part of projects that did shoot on film. I can tell you that there is a radical difference on set. Oh, yeah. Uh, between yeah. shooting film, I mean, especially 35 millimeter film, and shooting digitally. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, digital shots you can shoot all day long, and it's just a matter of hard drive space, right? Um, but when you're running celluloid through the gate, I mean, it's a lot of money, you it's know, a lot going of pressure. down. Yeah, and I mean, I've got so- a, I've got a K three sixteen millimeter camera sitting right beside yeah. me right now, and it's it's like shooting on that thing. Um, I do it very rarely because you've got a mean business. Yeah, yeah, it's it's you absolutely. It's not just for fun, and I mean, it's you know, for anybody out there that that still shoots with a film still camera, you know what we mean. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. look at the look at the types of pictures that people shoot with their cell phones. Oh my god, you know, it's like a constant. I, I wonder how many like I don't yeah. even know what comes after like terabyte or but geez, our world is just filled with useless, ridiculous images of people's food or whatever mm-hmm. else that you know, mm-hmm. because like pictures don't cost anything to take anymore you know i feel like when 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 there was film you would kind of you know you'd curate your images more carefully well that's certainly what happens i think when you're uh when you're shooting a a oh absolutely yeah and and not to not to um divert too much but but in relation to that that's that's the exact reason why most of the time if i'm on vacation i'll bring a film camera and a couple of rolls of film because i don't want to be just looking through a camera the whole time i want if I'm taking a picture, it's going to be a very special moment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so for that reason, I, yeah, I think that definitely can contribute. But, uh, you know, Herzog also talks about some other interesting things here. Uh, he talks about not having a director's chair. He actually mm-hmm. uses the word loathes. He loathes this, um, yeah. you know, to have his name on a chair, uh, you know, and to have every actor and, you know, producer have a, you know, an area to like sit in and everything. I mean, I think it sounds like he... There's probably a couple of reasons, if I read into this a little bit, that he doesn't like that kind of stuff. I think, you know, it, it, uh, Herzog's definitely wants his shoots to be a physical event, you know, an mm-hmm. athletic endeavor, if you will. And he so doesn't like speak. that diva stuff. He doesn't yeah. like that. Yeah. And so whether it's like fancy trailers and, you know, your embossed director's chairs and all this kind of stuff, I mean, what does that have to do with filmmaking? What does that have to do with getting an image on screen? Oh, it really doesn't, right? It has nothing to do with it. And then you open up all these, you know, areas of, you know, introducing hierarchy and this person is, is worth more or more valuable than that person. Or why is this trailer, you know, this person's trailer bigger than mine or blah, 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 blah. And ah, these things can just, you know, even on a smaller level, right? If you're, if you're shooting, you know, very low budget, micro budget films, and you're not dealing with trailers and things, you know, there can be stuff like this get in the way, though, on a smaller yeah. scale. Uh, and so I do think it's a good idea to, I mean, you can save yourself money and you can save yourself drama by kind of mm-hmm. just staying away from this whole area, you know? And how it's sort of almost like a trickle down effect that he talks about where it's like, if he doesn't have a director's right. chair, then everybody else might be kind of embarrassed, embarrassed or feel yeah, awkward right. about sitting in theirs, right? Um, I mean, how, which old, I think is is a great how point. old is Herzog right now too? By I mean, he's in his 70s. Or he's either 72 or 70. I don't I, I, mean, I think I looked his, this up the other day. <laughs> yeah, he's in his 70s. I mean, we can say that for sure. He's in his 70s. And so I'm thinking, okay, you know, if, if, if a guy in his mid 70s is not going to sit down between takes, if he's going to be doing it, then, you know, if you're a 25 year old actor on, on one of his projects, yeah, mm-hmm. you're probably going to feel a little embarrassed if you've got to go, you know, get in your super comfy trailer or your, you know, uh, embossed fancy, you know, director's chair. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, um, I, you know, and there's a line, though, there's a line right between like, you know, no creature comforts or no, you know, I mean, you don't want to go so far as to like say, I'm, you know, that you're not going to provide crafty for people or, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously there's a line here, right? I mean, my my philosophy on it is basically I want the set to be as comfortable as I can, but I want that comfort to contribute to work. I, I don't want yeah. it to and contribute be equal, to and be equally yeah, applied exactly. to every single person, every yeah. single person on set. 
and certainly, you know, not indulging like in, in things like this, I think, make that a lot easier to achieve. Um, for sure. You know, he also talks about uh, this one. This one's really interesting to me. Um, uh, getting into video villages. People, mm. Some people mm-hmm. swear by them. Some people love them. Some people and, and Herzog, of course, is in the opposite camp. He's you know, he does not use a video village. Um, and he absolutely thinks that those are totally distracting and separate the director from actors. What's your take? Do you have? It's one of the times on yeah. um, on his more sort of very very concrete views that I totally a hundred percent agree with him. Yeah. Uh, I've worked on a lot of sets with video villages, and I've worked on some like when I lead a set, I I don't like any of that stuff. I don't really like monitors. Um, I'm I'm sort of in the middle ground in a way that. Uh, you know, I, I like to have my video village is an iPad in my hands with a wireless yeah. monitor. That's, that's right. what I like. Cause I enjoy if I, if I'm not operating, normally I try to operate as much as I can, but if I'm not operating and I'm away from the camera, then I have a, I'm beside the camera with, with, you know, a, a handheld monitor in my hands and just so I can see the shot and, and the framing and all that. But, um, but no, like I, I think that, and I've, I've, again, I've worked on sets where it's like the director's off in the video village, a take will happen. And you just kind of hear like a shout, like, yeah, that was good. Let's go again. <laughs> like far away. And it's like, you know. you're not, you know, you're not there. You're not sitting beside yeah. them going that it's, it should, you should be close. And, you know, that's, that's like a, a bad word now because we're in the middle of this pandemic, but, but, uh, you know, in normal times you should be, I, right I like there. to be physically as close as I can well, to kind of yeah, feel I, that I, energy and, you know, and I have to agree. And I, you know, um, I, I've never worked, uh, on, I've never worked on a project myself where I had a separate, you know, video village that was far away from the shooting. Um, I've been, you know, I've had monitors, you know, small monitors next to me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I, it's interesting. And we could kind of, I'm like, I'm going to be kind of exploring this and thinking about this out loud right now in real time because I don't, you know, I don't know that I've got my ideas about this completely, perfectly, you know, f- polished and formulated but in i mean and it's difficult to articulate but there's a feeling there is certainly a feeling about whether i'm operating or whether and for me my experience is more that i'm not operating but i'm directing right next to the camera Mm -hmm. there's something about and maybe this comes from my experience in theater and directing actors on stage but it's I, I feel that it's so important for me to be in a an intimate communion with the actors and and almost like in the scene with them. Yeah. Now, yeah. obviously, I'm behind the camera. I'm definitely not in the scene. Yeah, your with shoulders them. just peeking in. But, there. <laughs> but but there's about there's something about but but feeling their energy right. Yes. To be yeah. right there and to be able to witness all of these nuances of the performances as they're happening live right there somehow helps me feel feel almost like a, another actor I, I guess I almost feel like I'm in the scene with them I think for me too it's a lot of it is I don't like feeling tethered if that makes sense I don't ah. like feeling tethered to anything so I you know again that's why one of my first purchases when I got a you know a, a fully fledged cinema camera was a wireless video transmitter so that yeah. I could exactly what you're oh, saying so like handy. I could be right there but I've got the you know rather than having to peek around and look at somebody else's monitor or the the viewfinder or whatever if i'm again if i'm not operating i can just have the the monitor in my hand and walk wherever i want if i can if i want to set an eye line for an actor i can literally have the monitor in my hand and 
put my hand up and yeah. go, nope, that looks good. That looks perfect right, right there. But, but you're still able to be right there yeah, in the action. Yeah, I'm still right beside them. Yeah. I feel like that's probably the best of both worlds because, you mm-hmm. know, and Herzog talks about, and, and I really uh, think this is, if you can afford it, um, this is really helpful is to have, you know, uh, somebody else, an assistant director, somebody, I don't know who, you know, who this might be for your crew, depending on their size and everything, but to have, you know, somebody actually really focused on watching that output and mm-hmm. just making sure that the technical aspects of the shot, just purely technical aspects of the shot are, are, you know, are meeting expectation, right? So it's just, mm-hmm. fo- you know, watching focus, framing, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and maybe some, you know, con- uh, the consistency of script, consistency, that kind of continuity things, stuff like that. Um, and so I think that that could be important. I've certainly got myself, you know, cause if talking about, you know, only the good aspects of being right there in the action and not looking at a, uh, at an output at a video monitor, I mean, I have, I have in the past missed some technical things because I was so focused on, uh, the performances I got yeah. so into being right there with the actors that I did miss things. Uh, and so did the operator, you know, f- just, you know, f- missing focuses and things like that, which make me crazy. Oh, I can't. St- yeah. I'd- well, I mean, even working documentary, that was kind of one of the things that we established when I was down in L.A. and we were shooting was yeah. that, you know, I was sort of, you know, I asked a few questions, but I, I was sort of doing the technical side, making yeah. sure that everything was in focus and that the lighting was, you know, even and that the sound sounded good. Exactly. And you were focusing on getting those interviews done and things like that. And I think it worked out so well because that way, and I mean, we completely trusted each other in that way that you weren't yeah. coming over checking shot. I wasn't, you know, <laughs> right. involved in your interview process. I was just kind of, we yeah. had very no, it great, worked great. That's a great um, example. Systems, and it, yeah. It's vital because you can't do, you cannot do all these things. Now, you know, mm-hmm. and we're going to go into a little bit about keeping a crew small, but the flip side of that is, is that you do have to have enough people to, to actually, you know, uh, reach a certain level of competency in all these areas. And it's, yeah. you know, and I've done, you know, on videography work, which uh, is, is definitely a different thing than making a film videography work is definitely different when you're shooting commercials industrial obviously there are some similarities but there are some differences and we can you know talk about that a little bit for one for example is this single camera stuff and i want to bring this up because you know it's just a practical aspect of being a filmmaker is that you know a lot of times when you're starting out you've got to make ends meet and a great way to make ends meet um, that also helps get you experience is to do videography work wherever you're at you know uh, shooting local commercials, industrials, employee training videos, you know, I mean, whatever it might be, right? Um, web content for small business owners or something in your area. Um, and when I shoot those kind of things, I definitely like to go multi-camera. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. You know, because most of this stuff, a lot of this stuff is uh, interviews um, and uh, you're dealing with, you know, non-professional People are, you know, not they're not trained on camera personalities. Uh, you're often working from looser scripts, things like this. Um, and I don't know, you know, I, I don't know if you've done some work in this area or you have experience, oh, but, yeah. I, but yeah. I definitely like to go multi-camera there because I find that it saves your booty big time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, even even and that's that's like, even in that aspect, though, there, there's so many different um uh styles of that like there's this hugely sure. you know, almost like this cinematic new wave coming into advertising mm. 
that that now, things you know, are I now don't get exposed can you describe that a little bit i mean i want to be honest i am out of the loop a little bit on this i i have kind of crafted a world for myself mm-hmm. in a world where there's no <laughs> advertising i've you know but but i have i mean i've i i have reduced my exposure to advertising to such an extent that i really don't know mm-hmm. what what is this new i mean i i i don't really watch tv so i'm not sure about actual tv ads but things i've seen like um and you know sick kids here the the children's hospital yes. in toronto uh, we've um, actually been there yeah yeah so it's they wonderful, um wonderful place yeah they've just done this whole in the last year or year and a half this whole new uh advertising campaign that's like shot on anamorphic lenses like these Ooh. like crazy like cinematic lighting you know everything's hazed right. and it's really these, it's like the kids standing up to their their illnesses it's called sick kids versus it's actually it's quite a effective ad campaign if anyone's interested is in looking ridley at it scott but, directing um, whenever yeah, i, I mean, hear like you know might smoke, as well I think. <laughs> <laughs> although ridley doesn't like anamorphic anymore so um ah. but uh but yeah and it's this this and i the only reason i've been exposed to these things is just because some of the work that i've been doing has sort of been related and uh and yeah. in that kind of that field so um it's been it, there's this but there is this huge like the amount of commercials these days that are shot on anamorphic is something that really has only picked up in the past maybe three years um well, and i know and then on the to book in that on the other end not to like again to get you know too far off the track here of herzog's class but you know it's, it touches on a lot of things so why not but there's also a lot you know i know living out here in southern california with COVID and everything, there's also a lot of almost, I would call it like DIY commercials being done mm, mm, where yeah. actors are shooting their own commercials in their homes. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that this is being done to some extent. So you've got a wide range, you know, because it's, yeah. you know, obviously, you know, agencies aren't going to stop shooting commercials just because they can't get a crew together, right? That you're not going to stop that train. And so one of the ways they've gotten around it is to, uh, have people kind of self-shoot or to, you know, remotely piece together a, a project, but it's, you know, on a much smaller scale, uh, sometimes with much less quote unquote professional equipment. So it can, it can run the gamut, you know, Oh, totally uh, for sure. But and, I mean, um, just to, just to return to the, even the point of it, just the single cam versus multi-cam. Yeah, yeah. I, I think for me, you know, getting into like, why, why, why do, I prefer one over the other. Yeah. Um, when it comes to narrative film, I find that, and I think that Herzog does sort of touch on this as well, and as have many other directors who prefer single cam. Um, if I'm doing a shot, if I'm lighting a shot or I'm composing a shot, I, oh. I like to compose for that shot that yeah. camera that's no there, compromise right? right if you've yeah. got multiple cameras you are inevitably compromising your yeah. mise-en-scene absolutely boy not to get like two mise-en-scene it's been a while yeah. i don't know why that popped <laughs> in but yeah i mean you're you're right and i think that's one of the biggest but uh it's one of the biggest drawbacks you're kind of dividing all of your resources i mean even, even down to just the placement of a light and going oh well that shadow looks off and that other well, even shot, your actors you know? performances yeah right yeah. i mean when you've got multiple point multiple points of focus i.e the camera then you're going to kind of inevitably going to you know you're going to be dividing your your focus your inner you know so uh absolutely um, i mean it gets down to it just just because it's easy uh, or just because it's easier doesn't mean that it's better um you know i, I know a lot of people who do prefer multi-cam and they go if i'm shooting a dialogue scene and there there are benefits to it i understand the desire to be like hey if these two people are having a conversation at this table especially um, if there's let's get the rig and and, there's a lot of improvisation um, multi-camera is uh can can be 
yeah, a lifesaver in a sense. Yeah. If but even heard. even yeah. even non improvisational stuff, it's like you know I can see the desire of of you know now we're getting both of the reactions and the performances to the right. same performance at the same time in editing though i so rarely ever i mean it's i so rarely uh you know i let me say it another way i will so often cut up takes yes i don't really cross cut a lot to the right that same take yeah i can't imagine right i've got you know so many takes within one you know it's (laughs) within one scene when it's actually edited that i don't you know that's not when it's scripted it's not a big deal uh for me because i will i will often cut everything up anyway because it's usually you're taking the best pieces of, of different performances and having a multi-camera situation there probably wouldn't have added a lot to yeah that. and that being said too i mean i've never found myself in, in the editing room going damn this this reaction doesn't match up to this performance <laughs> like no. it's usually actors are pretty good at, at you know getting that stuff down so i've yeah. never had those issues that that people kind of praise multicam for so often i've, I've yeah. never really needed to rectify those but things. everything you know but like we said everything has a place i i yeah. do use it when i'm doing shooting industrials uh mm-hmm. doing interviews of you know people who haven't or aren't used to being on camera mm-hmm. uh and so there's a lot of um it's incongruency from one shot to the you know from one take to the next so i will do and, and also usually you're on a compressed you're on somebody else's schedule you have a very yeah. compressed period of time I'm often not in control of my shooting environment because I'm shooting on somebody else's location. So, um, so there's a lot of compromises there. But mm-hmm. shooting on other people's yeah. locations and, and yeah, yeah, there's a ton. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so let's see where we'll go. Well, like after this large digression here. So we were talking about video villages. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think uh, just to kind of kind of maybe wrap that one up. I think so. It sounds like we both agree. I mean, I, I definitely prefer to be right there with the actors for reasons I just told. And it sounds like you do, too. And I think a good compromise is to have a monitor there close to you. And I do not have a wireless uh, monitor, but God, that's got to be great. That, yeah. that's and they're not even that they're not really that expensive, too. I was shocked down. when They've I got come, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, so, yeah, good stuff. Um, let's see talking about this is huge this is huge and especially again we're talking about uh probably smaller budget filmmaking keeping the crew small mm-hmm. uh i mean and i feel like there are more reasons to do this than just budget but obviously oh i was gonna say i think one. we both agree that even on a bigger budget i i the crew for me and i think herzog says this as well is that the crew i want it to be as small, small as possible, as possible. Yeah. and i think you know it is interesting and you know herzog speaks to this in the lesson and i i have noticed this too and and even even with you know fifty thousand or a hundred thousand dollar budget films you know still very small budgets micro budgets but there's almost and i do you know i don't know exactly put my finger on exactly why this is i mean I think it's like when we were kids or, you know, when we're, when we're younger and we first get this inkling that we want to be filmmakers and whatever era of film that you kind of grew up in, whether it's like Spielberg or Lucas or ah, who Coppola, I don't know, whoever, but you mm-hmm. have this kind of like grand idea that you want to be this big filmmaker and command this giant, you know, platoon of, of crew and cast. And, you know, we hear all these stories about, you know, like these, epic films where hundreds of people were working on them and it was mm-hmm. you know and i feel like there is some kind of pull i've noticed where 
there's there, there's this like pull for crews to expand to get bigger you know totally yeah um when they don't really necessarily have to be and and, and i'm just i'm I, I kind of i don't know like my only explanation for it sometimes is just that it's that it feels more professional that it feels like a bigger production I'm i not think i mean sure, i think you, you just know? i think a lot of times people just assume that if the more hands on set then the, the better the faster or, yeah. it's going to be and the more efficient and it's like i find the complete opposite though i find that to a point yeah, yeah to a point yeah, yeah. to a point I'm, of course so i wouldn't want to be doing a feature with myself and like one other guy but um, <laughs> i mean you do have to have your your fundamental basis covered yeah um and and i will just uh and i will highlight sound here because i feel like it just it gets overlooked so much you know so definitely don't skimp on your ta- your sound team Yes. Um, just yeah. throwing that there, just throwing that in. Well, there's a really interesting uh, interview on YouTube with the key grip, the lighting technician, and the gaffer of Phantom Thread, which was uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's most cool. recent movie that came out yes. in 2017. Yeah, there's this, this is great. There's this great interview. So it's like beautiful. it's like two hours long, and it's just them talking about the process of making it. And it's, it's great. Now, say, say this um, again for people, because I'd like to, people who are interested, I'd like to be able to point them to it. So if, yeah, it's, it's a YouTube video. And if what you was look it up, uh, if you just look up Phantom Thread, um, lighting gaffer behind the scenes, gotcha. uh, you should now, be able to find it. It's like a, it's like a two hour kind of almost like a podcast video, but you know, video. Now is this, faces. this isn't, this isn't like, uh, like a featurette stuff from the, no, uh, no, this is this them. Is they totally did like a, okay. they did like a live I'll stream on YouTube. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's this really interesting thing because they do talk in there about how PTA also, you know, likes to keep this, the, the set small. And they actually didn't even use a cinematographer on that movie. They, it was PTA did, yeah. um, kind of a collaboration with again his lighting technician and his his key gaffer or key grip and, and gaffer and they yeah. all kind of you know made the the lighting and the, the cinematography I'd be curious, themselves you, you know i this is an area that i don't have a ton of experience in and i'm just curious if if you do or maybe if anybody out there listening does you could kind of write to us but i'm you know i, I you know directors who do their own operating from a mm-hmm. guild, from a union guild perspective, I know there might be some challenges there, but I'm not really sure what that is or how you get. You know, I just know that uh, there've been some some issues in the past where directors have wanted to operate, and that can kind of be an issue. But mm-hmm. um, legally, I, I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, I'd assume that's stuff that you can probably work out in the contract too. That like you could put stipulations in there that negotiations that, with yeah. the guild. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I mean, that's I, I've never really even thought. I've never. Anything that I've ran, a set that I've ran, I've never done union. Yeah. Um, because in Canada, which is a little different than the States, you actually can't mix union and non-union workers. If you're doing right. a non-union set, you like can't you have can anybody. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's a little bit of a difference here is that you have to, like, if I'm doing a non-union thing, union workers could get in trouble for actually working on that. Um, but no, I, uh, I'm i not sure about the actual the like stipulations in terms of of like rules around uh operating and things like that but suffice um, to say pro- worth worth looking into for yes, sure of course if yeah you're, yeah <laughs> if that's your goals but, but i do uh, think it's interesting though that again it's one of these things where it's like you have a movie like phantom thread that is quite you know small scale in the grand scheme of things but still larger budget you know yeah multi-million dollar movie um, absolutely but um but that they said that there were cases where there were like eight or nine people on set, like that it was so tiny and that it was really nice to, it's it intimate. almost felt like you were back in like a, 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 almost like a learning session where you're like sitting there and you're just kind of, it's just you and a few friends being like, let's do this and let's figure this out. And well, which I, think, I, I think, you know, that, that speaks to a lot of, of things that at least I 
you know, am attracted to about filmmaking. That's, and I would say, you know, it's uh, obviously there are types of films that lend themselves to smaller, you know, crews and casts mm-hmm. than others, of course. Uh, it's you're going to be hard pressed to put together a, a Marvel movie without mm-hmm. utilizing like a thousand plus people's talents. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be hard pressed um, to put on a Marvel movie, period. But <laughs> yeah, well, for, for sure. Uh, but but, you know, it's what you know, one of the things I think is so vital uh, as a director is that we talked about this in other in other episodes is this you know that you're kind of the holder of the vision right this this mm-hmm. flame that is the vision and your goal is to share that is to communicate it and not just communicate it so that people understand it but communicate it so that people are also ignited by it yes. that they're inspired yes. by it and the more people that you've got on set the harder that is to do yeah, it's just and this is just the nature of, you know, it's been you, you can only spend so much time with so many people in a day. And so if you're running a set with 200 people, you're likely not even going to know many of those people, much less, you know, be able to spend time with them to really ignite them. I mean, it's, uh, of course, too, especially neither of us are famous, but um, I can imagine, you know, I've heard Spielberg. Yourself, <laughs> Sorry, I was just I was just trying to be humble for myself. But. Okay, I, I got you. I got you. Um, yeah, but, yeah, that's uh, good. That's good. <laughs> but uh, I've heard Spielberg You're talk about this. Sitting in a director's chair right now. Yeah, actually, I, Herzog <laughs> is is listening to me, nodding slowly. He's right to my left. He's like, read, read, read. And there you can hear him. Oh my god. Um, I'm sorry. But, uh, I'm sorry. Please continue. I've heard I've heard Spielberg talk about this that there's sometimes issues where it's like he is directing on a set and the extras or you know some kind of technicians or something will come up to him and start trying to have conversations with him about his movie because he's or his movies his past movies because he's mm-hmm. steven spielberg and it's like oh what was it like to make jaws and things like that and and i so i can imagine um from a from a larger filmmaker's perspective or like even like herzog and, and uh people like that is that that there's another reason to want to keep your set small yeah. and that's just you're, that's the just beggars limiting and distractions and, yeah. yeah yeah and distractions but you're right so you and i and many people listening here might not have that particular uh, challenge, but um, but yeah, I mean, and I th- I think it's just it's I mean for me at least, you know, everybody runs a set in slightly different ways. We have different personalities, of course, and you know, but even going back to my my earlier days in directing theater, I I feel it's important that there be you know a very like a strong cohesion, you know, almost like yes. a family. Yeah, and that's how I enjoy filmmaking. Um, and that's how I personally feel like better filmmaking is made. I mean, obviously, there are fantastic films made where the, the you know the the stories of onset behavior and you know the conditions on set are atrocious and horrible, and there's still fantastic films come out the other end. But I think mm-hmm. you know, in general, those films come out fantastic in spite of, not yeah. because of. It's oh, exactly. Personally, yeah. and and also too, I you know, look, life is short. I don't want to spend my time working on sets where, uh, where there's where it's it's not fun, where people. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm working on this and... these things because I like to do it. I don't <laughs> I yeah. don't know why anyone <laughs> would want to work on a set where you're not like, in that yeah. way, right? There's yeah. a difference between a challenge, you know, and just full on torture. But I think it's easier to, you know, to maintain a read on the um on the morale of a crew and help you know manipulate or not manipulate and but help affect morale in a positive direction all the all of these things are easier when you've got a smaller I, cast and i even want to say that that too with with like flexibility it's much more yes. easy to say we're changing this shot oh, let's do it this way and when you don't have to go down the line of 100 people and say okay we need 
the six technicians to go up on that that scissor lift and change that light right and blah, well, blah, just blah, transportation blah. right just yeah. changing and, locations yep. is a is a nightmare if you've got you know more people that can fit in a couple vans yeah. uh, everything becomes more difficult everything takes more time it, it does it weirdly reminds me too of um the difference between working somewhere like uh, a larger restaurant and you know this is a little bit of an anecdote but the a, a larger restaurant versus a smaller still kind of you know fancier in in with an asterisk <laughs> restaurant but but yeah the difference there being so immense because it's like on one hand you've got this huge place that's basically like a factory like you're just churning stuff out on right. the other hand you're like still a mcdonald's <laughs> yeah you're still maintaining this quality but but on the other hand you're um in a smaller place you're 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 still again it's like that family thing like you it's don't have a concern with getting someone to come help you out with something or move a table or whatever yeah. and i think it's the same way in film i think that you you're gonna have it's it's just more personal on the level of like you can't really avoid anybody so you're gonna have <laughs> right. to get along with them which sometimes could be an issue but, <laughs> but yeah. hopefully not yeah. hopefully not well that's when well, it comes into your hiring that's <laughs> and of course you know and of course look i think most of us it's not even a choice um you know most of us who are in the earlier parts of their career uh you know that's obviously upper echelons there are fewer and fewer directors who get to work with millions of dollars in budget and you know mm -hmm. even have the option so i think for most of us it's not even a question but uh but you know feel good about the fact that even if you did have that money this is likely the best way to work um mm -hmm. i think you know it, it, one of the ways that you can cut down on some crew and uh, and this kind of combines both the aspect of being right next to the action, being right with your actors, and um, and not being in a video village and having this small crew. It, you know, Herzog talks about he really emphasizes this: doing your slates and your last looks yourself. Yes, and yeah. I completely agree with this. I mean, this is great advice. Now, I hadn't even thought about this, frankly until i watched this masterclass for the first time however many years ago what was that four years ago five years ago but i took this to heart and it is i highly recommend it yeah i highly recommend this and you know for all the reasons that he states um in this lesson to be kind of and i think this is great for me the most important part of it is that and herzog uses a great kind of you know little tells a little story about how he can do this about being like the last line between mm -hmm. the you know between action and your your cast to really be there with them and to to have that intuitive sense to be close enough that you're intuiting their energy their readiness for a scene where they're at and you know to be able to buffer them from everything all the chaos that's kind of going on around them which is you know already a challenge for an actor i you know you and i both have some acting experience and you know, you're working to kind of give yourself a, a bubble, so to speak, to be in, to maintain your emotional states in this chaotic environment that is filmmaking. And that can yeah. really be a challenge. And I think it's so vital for the director. It helps you strengthen your bonds with your actors and, you know, and to be there to kind of defend them, you know, and, and Herzog uses this great little story about how, you know, he was, he could kind of tell an actor still needs a few moments. And instead of, 
you know, making them the center of attention and saying, wait, 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 everybody, you know, uh, our actor here needs more time. They're not you ready. You make something up. Yeah. Just you make almost, right. It says, hey, yeah. you know, no, we need to, you know, can you double check this filter? Or, you know, can let me, you know, and he goes and fiddles with something in the background or something for a minute. Just to, you know, just to make something up to, to um, Give take them a the few chance. moments. Yeah. But that's such a wonderful idea. And obviously oh, totally. you've got to use this kind of, you know, with, with some common sense and, um, you know, sparingly but uh yeah you wouldn't want to just go out and do it every take but every take yeah but these things really i think that you know again at least for me and maybe because my orientation to all of this is so actor focused Mm -hmm. for me um but i feel like all of these things you know being right there uh next to the camera next to the action slating being that last line um or that buffer between the actors and action uh, I feel like really, really help uh, endear you to your actors. They help you bond with them, which I think is so key, um, and help your actors feel safe. Yes, yeah. Safety and is a huge thing. Not even just safety so in terms huge. of like physical safety, but just safe no. emotionally. Emotionally yeah. safe, right? It's this, and it's you know, and especially I can't, you know, it's it's it, obviously it's vital for any level of filmmaking. But I feel like it is such a vital aspect of filmmaking and at some of the, you know, more, in, you know, introductory levels where you're maybe working with actors with less experience uh, under their belt. And, um, you know, it's actors need all the help they can get in the sense that whatever you can do to make that environment a conducive one. Um, I mean, it's it's fragile. Like what an actor does is a delicate business. Well, I always I, describe it sort of as like, you know, it's like it's like a rocket launch. Like there's this huge amount of pressure when you're counting not, down I from like 20 this. and you're going down and it's like you should be the mission control. Yeah. The actor should just be able to sit in that rocket and be yes. launched when it happens. You should be the one that's checking on all the valves this, and checking on the quiet, you know. safe little capsule. You know, yeah. I yeah. like that. I like that. I like that analogy. That's a good one. So. So I told, you know, it's like I said, I I didn't do this before I watched this lesson, but I have really grown to love this idea. Mm -hmm. Um, What about you? Is this something that you practiced Um, before the lesson or do you you practice it at all now or kind of? I I don't know. I I don't I don't usually do. Usually I'll leave the slate for the uh, first AD. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, you know, because normally I don't have somebody on on script supervision or anything like that. So the first AD will do that. Um, um, But I do. I think I, I understand and I try and go with the the idea of this that, that right. you should be like I normally after slate and all that I will take a moment and you know as as it's pretty pretty standard um, take a moment to just kind of have everything relax mm-hmm. and then we're now on my time and the actor's time and then I say either when you're ready or action whenever whenever I feel appropriate but there's this there's this kind of um, yeah, there's an understanding where you kind of get like one last look at the. You probably have one of those actors. like megaphones, don't you? Or what do you? Not, I do. Like, I don't have one of electronic ones, so I've got one of the old timey like. Yeah, big yeah, that's cones. what I mean. Yeah, you, and I you have a beret. I'm hoping you have yes. a beret and, uh, like and a ascot safari, like an ascot with like a like a safari vest that has mm-hmm. like your and your viewfinders and everything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I just want people at home to be able to picture me to on picture set. you. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah no i i do i do think that it's really important though like again i i have i've never done slates myself unless i'm the only person that's able to do right. them um, but you're still there but you're but there. I, you know, i'm there and i yeah. i do i understand the sentiment of it and i think i just 
if anything, just sort of take a slightly altered approach to it. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's just, fair. Yeah. That's completely fair. I mean, there's multiple ways to do that. You know, I think yeah. it's um, yeah. uh, absolutely. Yeah, and and as, as part of this, uh, Herzog talks about eyelines, you know, sort of mm-hmm. protecting actors. And definitely, I mean, this is, you know, uh, again, and I think you and I a couple episodes ago talked about the importance of actually taking some acting training and doing some acting yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you do this, I think you'll really realize keenly how important it is to protect or defend your actor's eye lines. Totally. Absolutely. And of course, there's, you know, the, the Christian Bale story, of course, when that happened, that made the rounds everywhere. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people thought, and it's interesting to hear Herzog defend Christian Bale here. Obviously, they work together, and I, and Herzog is obviously fond of him. But, um, and I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, you've ever heard of of, uh, of Christian Bale, you know, uh, misbehaving. Like, no, not, that, I not mean, that this even is, but they've never even heard of him being this way before or since, right? I can, but, I can sort of, you know, not to say that you should be speaking to anybody the way he's speaking to them, but I do, in a way, empathize with absolutely why you would be like i can't imagine being in the middle of a scene as an actor or as a director or as anybody on set and seeing somebody fiddle with a light on camera on their cell phone you know texting or right right in your eyeline and you know just for people to kind of understand again i think it's important to do some acting yourself and you'll see but again it's you know as a director so much of your job is creating this this safe place Mm -hmm. for your actors and a big, a huge part of that is protecting their eye lines. And, you know, we're going to talk about this, you know, but keeping phones and walkies away, uh, keeping, you know, it, when you have larger, uh, larger sets, we've talked about the importance of a smaller crew or how that can be beneficial. Well, definitely one of those ways it's beneficial is that you don't have 50 people standing around doing nothing on their cell phones, right, when you're shooting. Um, it's it, to, to minimize all these distractions, to minimize all these people, you know, when you've got a smaller crew, everybody has something to do almost every moment. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have a large crew, you're going to have people standing around doing nothing, twiddling their thumbs. Well, in today's day and age, it's going to be that they're going to be on their phone. But, um, and, and it's, yeah. So of course, if we all know that Christian Bale, what film was he, what, was it one of the Batman films? What was, what film No, was it was, he? uh, Terminator Salvation. Terminator. Yeah. That's right. And yeah. actually... It was it. Uh, oh man, I'm I'm blanking out. But it was actually a fairly famous DP who was futzing around. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, who was it? Come on, help me out. Anyway, um, um, he's got his own. Fister. He's got his own series of of classes online. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I'm totally spacing out. And somebody out there can. Sh- uh, Shane Hurlbut. Yes. Shane Hurlbut. Yeah. If I'm not, he's got mistaken, the Hurlbut Academy. Yeah. If it's not, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was probably, and he was futzing with some lights during a take. And, you know, and it's, it's, well, horrible. the other thing too, is that a whole bunch of his, his co-cast and not co-cast, but also crew members stood up to defend bail on that yeah. and yeah, said yeah, yeah. it was, it was, it wasn't, I mean, you're on such a high pressure well, set, especially with the amount of like, like effects and, and stuff like that in a situation like that, that I can understand. Well, you're the, look, you know, look, you know in the, at the end of the day, the actor is the person who's on, on that big screen. Yeah. And if the film sucks, let's face it the actors are going to be catching a lot of that flack. Yeah. Um, and, and, and even further than that, look, it's when, when, the, when in between action and cut, the actor, of course, is the absolute focal point, or actors are the focal point of the production. And the weight of all of that is on you right then and there. I mm-hmm. mean, that's right. That's why everybody is there. Everybody is there to make those moments between action and cut count. 
And if you've got other, you know, and so it's all on your shoulders. And if you can't rely on your crew to give you the space to perform when you're finally called to, that's, you know, that's no fun. But, uh, but yeah, again, I'm like you, I wouldn't, I would not suggest that anybody rant in that way, but I can certainly empathize with why he would. And, Mm -hmm. uh, for the, for those people listening who maybe didn't quite understand why Christian Bale was doing that, that's why. Um, yeah. And uh, and so just one more reason, I think, to be right there. Uh, if you're uh, away at Video Village, if you're, you know, 50 feet away from what's from the action that's taking place, it's unlikely that you're going to be able to see that and call it out. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just, you know, Herzog talks about keeping phones and walkies away. And this is something that's simple and I couldn't agree more. I couldn't oh, totally. agree more. Yeah. yeah. Um, and especially if you've got a small crew, uh, it, it's pretty easy to do this, you know. Uh, if, if anybody's going to be on their phone, then they have to be X feet away or, you know, outside of the room or away from shooting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think this is almost, hopefully would be common sense. Um, but not only they're just, they're, phones are just horrifically distracted. Anyway, I, I could go on and on about how, yeah, no, <laughs> about, yeah. how about how I'm kind of over. I, it I always think it's the moment the phones come out on a set or like even, even if you yourself look at a phone, it's, something's it's wrong. like, it's Something, just, that's a it's sign. gone. It, it's a it's sign gone. something's wrong. Right. It's like, yeah. okay, wait a minute. Like I'm checking out. I got to get back into this. So, where, yeah. What's going on? You know? Uh, and of course this happens, you know, we're all human and, you know, of course these moments kind of happen, but you know, that's a really good point. It's like you, if, if, if you have the pull, like if you feel this pull to get out your phone and check your social media or something while you're on a shoot, use that as a sign. Use that as a signal to be like, well, okay, wait a minute. I'm checking out. What's up? Do I need to like, <laughs> do I need to like get some coffee? Am I like, do I need to like remember why I'm here? Do mm-hmm. I need to like reignite my my passion for the story we're telling? What's going on? You know, if if I can't be interested in it right now when we're actually shooting it, how can I expect an audience to be interested in it? You know, when it's done. So and I I mean I think that. What it, the interesting thing about him too with Herzog is the scheduling that he does of his um, movies. And maybe that's a way to kind of quell that idea of like, there's no downtime. So there's not even a moment's notice to pull out your phone. And that's his idea of starting to shoot within 90 minutes of the call. um, I love that. Which is a great, great idea. And it's a great, um, and that's within, I mean, it's not like he had, it's not like if they've got half an hour to spare, they're like, okay, everyone take five. Like it's it's, it's shooting. As soon as possible, and then at latest 90 minutes, which I I think is such a great, yeah. I love this, and I am going to implement this on my next shoot. I have definitely been on shoots. Now, not shoots that I was directing, but shoots where I was an actor that we may not have started shooting until three hours after Mm -hmm. call. Oh, it's ridiculous. I just, I can't tell you what a, I don't know, for lack of a better word, downer. I mean, it is just, you know... Ugh, you know, there, there's already such an amount of tedium that takes place in a shoot because this is just, you know, it's the nature of the beast sometimes, especially as an actor um, where you're kind of hurrying, uh, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. Um, but uh, I, I think that so much of what Herzog talks about, whether it's in his writing or, you know, here on set is about maintaining a sense of urgency. And I, I love that idea. And uh, so I, I think on my next, when we get this uh, horror film uh, in production and we start shooting hopefully next year, um, yeah, I can't wait to try this. Yeah, no, I'm I'm uh, I'm gonna utilize a lot of a lot of things that Her- or Hitchcock uh, Herzog says in <laughs> well, these. Hitchcock um, too. I know you're a Hitchcock. Yeah, the, fan. the, the That's okay, Alfred you know. Hitchcock masterclass. Um, <laughs> oh no, that um, would be if he could come back from yeah. 
Jeez, yeah, let's get some uh, resurrection there. There you go. <laughs> but no, awesome. I, I do think that that's, it's, again, like I said, like I think a huge aspect of that is um, just, again, not giving people, not to say that you can't have downtime, but like in that first, that, that first, I would say, three-hour stretch of shooting is so vital yeah. that especially like in a morning that you really have to be like, all right, we're here, we're setting up, and we're shooting. We're not, we're not taking coffee breaks. We're not doing anything like that until we get through you know a chunk of our schedule today and then we can we can do scheduled lunch and and part of that too could be you know paying attention when you're in the process when you're in pre-production and you're working on uh, your shoot schedules to keep in mind you know so start from the beginning right Uh, pre-production that hey you know uh we want to have the cameras rolling tops tops 90 minutes after call yeah. So, you know, be efficient in when you call people to set. That That's another kind of side of this that I've seen in a little more amateur filmmaking where not very much attention to detail was taken or consideration was taken for call times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody in the entire film was called to set, you know, way before they were actually needed. Um, it's, it's just, you know, kind of disrespectful, amateur. It's a waste of people's oh, time. Oh, yeah, I can't stand and that stuff, yeah. By the time people get to a scene, whatever, you know, by the time they actually start working, it's, you know, it's hard to maintain your energy sometimes. And it's mm-hmm. just, you know, um, you can really have kind of a trough there. So I think all the way around, uh, it's, a, it's a really uh, powerful little tool. And, yeah, so 90 minutes. Cool. Yeah. All right, man. Well, and speaking of 50 minutes, minutes for us, yeah, I was speaking say. of 90 minutes, we like <laughs> half that, just barely over half that. So yeah. we're really rocking. But yeah, but I think I think we've covered pretty much everything uh, in, lesson, yeah. in this lesson. Uh, Cullen, any last words here? Uh, read, read, read. <laughs> or <laughs> I should I say, should I say, uh, should I say rules, rules, rules? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think, I mean, again, I think. That, that the things that Herzog say here or things that he has said are, are very interesting in terms of not This is being not a very controversial rules. one this time. I don't no, think. not very not controversial, really. but but also not not rules that one would really, you know, you think of set see. rules again. You think of like how to pass off a lens, how to sandbag yeah. a, a light stand and things like right, that. Right, right, right. And this definitely, is much more, you know, yeah. and Herzog's masterclass as a whole is is not that kind of thing. And there no. are many, of, no. there are tons of places where you can get that kind of information. And those are good things to know. But really, his masterclass is about, it's kind, I, I, the way I kind of describe it is, it's about a philosophy of filmmaking. Yes. So, yeah, so yeah. certainly if listeners here, if you haven't uh, heard his, seen or heard his masterclass at masterclass.com, um, and you're thinking about it, it is definitely more of a philosophy of filmmaking and of art as opposed to a really nuts and bolts. Like step know, by step, yeah. Step by step kind of thing like that. But there are so many places where you can go and they get get that kind of information for free or do you know other things you volunteer or you know it's all little shoots you can go and i mean hell i learned a lot when i first came out here just doing background work yeah um to be on a a huge you know major studio set uh television or film uh, or commercial i did all three and you can learn so much about those little nitty-gritty things um but there's nowadays with youtube and everything my gosh there's tons you can yeah the hurlbert academy hurlbert all right all right well we'll Um, wrap it up here everybody Uh, thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, we hope yeah, that so it much. has been uh, enjoyable. Colin, thanks for uh, being here. As Glad always, here, yeah. a treat. 
especially just imagining you in your beret and your director's chair. It just fill, <laughs> fills my heart here. with That's what I'm sitting yeah. in right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, until next time, where we will be, what are we going to be talking about next? We're, I think next lesson is shooting strategy yeah all about shooting strategy so you're kind of getting into the yeah the steps here we of, are we're like now we're getting, yeah. yeah we're moving from pre-production to production exciting stuff yeah okay so until then we'll see you soon see you guys <laughs>